1: Today, challenging words from Dr. Michael Youssef. Listen to what the Word of God said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never! And that is why we must always begin with the question... Is what I'm doing pleasing to the Lord or pleasing to myself?
0: Up next on this episode of Leading the Way, Dr. Michael Yusuf challenges you to candidly evaluate your life choices. Remember, if you're unable to listen to this entire message, catch up online at ltw.org or use the Leading the Way app on any of your mobile devices. Subscribe to the podcast or ask your smart home device to play, Leading the Way. Since you're here, listen with me now, as Dr. Yusuf continues his series, Until
1: Christ Returns. The sexual revolution, where sexual morality has ever since that time been sliding Western civilization into moral abyss and darkness. At least sometimes I visualize it as a huge boulder, that is heralding down a steep mountain that seemed to be gathering momentum and gathering speed as it heads toward that bottomless pit. For in reality, every time I think we have reached bottom, there's another bottom. Now, so-called freedom of sexual expression has become the cultural arch-god above all the other secular gods in our society today. And we saw in the last message from Thessalonians how Satan seemed to be unleashing his most uh, fury as he sends his demise and his end near because he knows the Scripture and he knows that the day is coming when he will be thrown into the lake of fire. But perhaps the greater manifestation of his fury is in that growing dominance of the God of sexual immorality. In all of its forms, adultery, fornication, pornography, homosexuality, all have invaded our culture with vengeance. And sadly, they invaded many a home and many a heart of some professing Christians. But here's the truth, my beloved friends, listen, here's the truth. Sexual activities outside of a monogamous marriage between a husband and wife stains the deepest part of a person's identity. It pollutes the source of our creativity. It produces guilt that cripples our confidence in God's forgiveness. It destroys the foundation of life's deepest human relationship. It assaults the pure lordship of Jesus Christ upon our lives. And in his day, the Apostle Paul understood that disastrous consequence that come from sexual immorality, impurity, where sex can be practiced outside of a marriage. He understood that sexual immorality, which is any sex outside of marriage, can have disastrous consequences. But I want to remind you that in the first century, when those people came to Christ in all of the Greco-Roman culture, throughout the Roman Empire… When they came to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, whether they were in Corinth, whether they were in Thessalonica, they came to the Lord from a culture and from a society that experienced sexual perversion as part of pagan worship. Debauchery and sexual promiscuity were part and parcel of their former pagan lifestyle. Imagine those believers who came to Christ from such dark and evil an immoral culture into the love of Jesus Christ, the unconditional love and forgiveness that He offered them. Imagine they're beginning to understand Christian ethics and Christian lifestyle and sanctification for the first time. And here in First Thessalonians chapter 4 makes it very clear about the preaching that He preached in that church. And if you read the passage casually, you might miss it but it is of uttermost importance because there's a cause and there's effect. It is the preaching of a false gospel today. It's the preaching of a watered-down Word of God today that brought us to such low moral standards. The two are connected. Beloved, listen to me. If there is a desperate need today, it is for parents, for Sunday school teachers, for preachers, for Bible teachers to teach children and teach adults alike that God deeply cares about how we live particularly our sexual lives. Being a Christian is more than just accepting Jesus or take Him as your friend, then live in a pornographic lifestyle. And that is why in chapter 1, the Apostle Paul commended the Thessalonians. And we saw that in the first message for definitively and decisively walking away and out of idolatry into the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in chapter 4, he gives them the practical step-by-step of what it means to live this pure life, what it means to turn from idols to Christ, what it means to be the children of the living God, the disciples of Jesus Christ. In fact, the first two verses of chapter 4, I want you to look at them with me, they lay the foundation for sexual purity. You see, Paul is not making this to be an issue of a matter of rules and regulations and, and legalism. It's a matter of deep attitude of gratitude to the one who shed his blood for you. How does he lay this foundation? First, by saying that the big question... That you and I must ask ourselves about this whole issue of sexual immorality. The first question is, am I want to live my life to please God or please myself? That is the foundational question. The answer to that question determines the purity and holiness in lifestyle. (laughs) It is a foundational question for every teenager. It is a foundational question for every adult. It is a foundational question for everyone who claims the name of Christ. Do I want to please him or do I want to please myself? Is the decision I'm about to make for his glory to please him or is it going to please me? Listen, I listen to enough people to know that whether it is adultery, whether it is fornication, whether it's addiction to pornography, whatever the case may be, a person ultimately must decide, am I doing this to please myself or to please the Lord? That's the argument Paul makes here. That is the foundational thing. Listen, I know all of the mumbo-jumbo. and all the, the rationalization. I know all of the excuses. I know all of the lies. I know all of them. But the bottom line is, do I want to please him? Do I want to please myself? Actually, the way when he said, we ask you, it's a, the word command. Literally translated, we command you to please the Lord. He's not making a suggestion here. This is not take it or leave it. If you like it or you don't like it, you know, you can decide for yourself. No, no, no. There's no Christian liberty here. In verse 2, he said, we have commanded this, not as our opinion, but the authority of Jesus. This is the authority of the Word of God. There are no gray areas when it comes to our sexual lives. Abstaining from any sex that deviates from the monogamous relationship between husband and wife is a sin against God. It's against others, but it's against God. That's why verse 6, he said, he will judge this. I know some of you don't want to hear that word, but there's going to be an accountability. we all going to appear before the throne of God. We're going to give an account. Did we please God? Did we please ourselves? Verse 6 is it, God will judge it. Hebrews 13:4 says the marriage bed should be kept pure. And I want to tell you, particularly our teenagers who are listening, the best place to stop this is in the thought pattern. It's when your thought pattern begins to be attacked. Don't let that thought linger in your mind. Let me tell you something. You've seen people who say they are so addicted to cigarettes and they're addicted to alcohol and they can't get over it. When you click that computer and you get addicted to pornography, you are inviting Satan to come in and set up a stronghold. I know God can do everything, and I pray today that he will set some people free. But don't play with fire. Because you are allowing him to come in and set up a fortress inside your mind and inside your heart that is going to be difficult to get rid of. Because when your thought pattern is attacked, what you need to do is immediately start praying. Sing praises to God. Do what Joseph did. Put on your Nikes and go running. (laughs) And the Apostle Paul tells Timothy about this this, and do that, do the other thing. He said, when it comes to that particular sin, don't negotiate, don't resist, run. Listen to what the Word of God said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never! And that is why we must always begin with the question, Is what I'm doing pleasing to the Lord or pleasing to myself? No one can claim to be a genuine Christian believer, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, when they day after day and their life first and foremost try to please themselves just incongruity there. It doesn't work that way. No one can claim to love God and then live their life selfishly. It is an impossibility. You're either going to please Him or you please self. And that is why in verses 3 to 8, the Apostle Paul said, it is that desire and longing to please the one who died for you and shed His blood for you and to redeem you is going to empower you to exercise control over your life. We can't do it with our own strength. It's an impossibility. We all get tempted. Just because my temptation is a different area from yours, it doesn't mean that we don't all get tempted. The great reformer, Martin Luther, said, he said, temptation is like a bird that is flying over your head. You can't stop that bird from flying, but you sure can keep it from nesting in your hair. Look at verse 4 that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. But here's something that's very important. Please don't misunderstand me. I preach this with, with a broken heart. I'm not standing here in self-righteousness. Paul was not asking non-believers to do that. He only is asking those who have come into Christ, who are adopted by the Lord as the brothers in Jesus of Christ. And that is why he says in verse 6 that we will be judged for that. Why? God, in Hebrews said, he chastises those whom he loves. Why doesn't God chastise the pagans? Why doesn't God chastise the non-believers? Well, it's just the same way that why I discipline my kids growing up, not the neighbor's kids. God is not interested in chastising the devil's kids. God is not interested in their purity. He's in the purity of His children. And the reason He is saying that the believers must do that because He knows that in the flesh we cannot do anything. In the flesh, we're going to fail and fall again and again and again. But only God, the Holy Spirit, who indwells of believers, He will give us the power. He will give us the strength. He will give us the wisdom. He will give us the guidance. He will give us the resolve to be able to flee from such temptation. Now, to single people, please listen for a moment. The Holy Spirit who dwells in you, He can teach you to develop deeper friendships with both sexes. The Holy Spirit can teach you how to sublimate your energy into service for others. The Holy Spirit can help you overcome your loneliness by serving the needy. The Holy Spirit can give you joy in your self-giving. And in a Christian marriage, the Holy Spirit can teach you how to give yourself selflessly to your spouse. He will teach you how to repent of selfish sexual demands of your spouse. He can teach you that marriage is sacred. He can teach you how... To be intimate with your spouse in a million different ways, the Holy Spirit can teach you not to take advantage of your spouse, but serve your spouse. Verse 6 again the Lord will punish men of all such sins as we have already told you and warned you. Three weeks, and He already told them, He already warned them, He taught them all about Christian living. Christian ethics. Why? Verse 7 gives us the answer. Because God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life, a life that is set aside for Him, a life that's dedicated to Him, a life that asks that question, all-important question, am I pleasing myself or am I pleasing Him? The Word of God is saying that sexual immorality of any kind will be judged by God. Why? Why? Because often the outcome is damaged marriages, loss of family love, and divorce, and hurt children. Listen, make no mistake about it. God will chasten such a person if that person is a child of the living God. Not just someone who claims to be a Christian. But why, why such sexual immorality will be judged by God? Because... Such sexual immorality spurns the will of God. It disregards God's purpose for our life. It it defies God's commands. It rejects God's love and flaunts and abuses God's grace. And above all, it discounts the reality of God's righteous judgment against sin. Don't ever forget that that sin has taken Jesus, the pure, sinless, holy Son of God, and hung Him on a criminal's cross. Look with me, verses 9 to 12. He moves from chastity to charity, from control over one's own body to the importance of work. Many historians have said that the reason the church in Thessalonica had problem with members of the church became idols not working is because they were so confused about the return of Christ, of which he explains in the next message. We'll see it in the last part of chapter 4. Paul does not discourage the church from helping those who are looking for work and can't find it. No, but he is discouraging those who can work and refuse to work. All along, Paul is saying that our anticipation of that great day ought to make us work harder, serve more faithfully, give more generously, not become idle. In fact, he's saying that loving one another is the indisputable sign that we have passed from death to life. Loving will keep us from being idle Loving will keep us from being busybodies and getting in the lives of others, meddling, interfering, instead of just praying. In fact, love compels us to work so that we may be able to help the truly needy. That's what he said. Our selflessness, that our desire to please the Lord and not ourselves, that our abstaining from sexual sin and immorality are all based not on rules and regulations, but rather on a deep relationship. And you notice in this passage, more and more, more and more. How many times is this repeated? More and more and more and more. I mean, it's right there. Which means that every day we must please the Lord more than the previous day. That we love one another today more than we loved yesterday. And the question is, are you moving forward? Can you really chart your walk with Christ in that process of sanctification Can you chart your progress in your life in Him and for Him and with Him uh, in your desire to please Him? That's really the point here. Can you say, Lord, I thank you that I love you today more than yesterday. I love you this week more than last week. I love you this month more than I loved you last month. I love you this year more than I loved you last year. That's what sanctification is all about. Someone would say, it's like somebody told me several years ago, he said, well, I just feel that I am stand still in my Christian walk. I said, no, you can't. It's an impossibility. Nobody can ever stand still in their Christian walk. If you're not going forward, you're going to slide downward." Today, I want to plead with you. I want to beg you. Take time and do a complete audit of the books of your life. (laughs) Say with the psalmist, search me, O God. And know my heart, there will be anything that's displeasing you. Purge it today, Lord Jesus. I am so grateful that Your Spirit protected Your Word for two thousand years. When some burnt it, some destroyed it, some tried to get rid of it, You kept it safe so that it may come here today and bring conviction to our hearts. Father, we confess to you. We confess a longing, deep longing, that we want to please you. Lord, I know in my heart I have not pleased you as I want to please you. And I confess, Father, my deep desire to please you with all of my heart, with every ounce of my being, And Lord, not just in the times of my devotions, of time of prayer, and time of Bible reading, but Father, every moment of every single day. We thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy. Forbid it that we use your grace as a license and rationalization and justification to sin. In Jesus' name.
0: Thanks for joining Dr. Michael Youssef for Leading the Way. This message is part of the timely series Until Christ Returns, guiding you toward impactful, spirit filled living in these last days. Reach out to Dr. Yusuf and Leading the Way at 1 300 133 or visit ltw.org. You know, each day, Leading the Way receives emails, cards, and phone calls sharing the impact of Dr. Yusuf's teaching and ministry around the world. One location that's special to Dr Yusuf is the United Kingdom. Through Premier Christian Radio, several television networks and passionate team members locally, believers in a nation where many church doors are closed are growing in their faith through leading the way. Here's a portion of a note the London office received recently. Thank you, Dr Yusuf, for your teaching and ministry impact in the UK. Many lives have been changed and many previously floundering Christians are growing through your teaching. Thank you and God bless you for your passion and service. If you would like to learn more about Leading the Way and the ministry impact in your neighbourhood and neighbourhoods like it around the world, like the UK, visit ltw.org or call 1-300-133-589 again ltw.org and 1300 133 589. We love getting your cards and letters. So let Dr. Yusuf know how this ministry has impacted your walk with Jesus. Write to Leading the Way, PO Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales 2751. Leading the Way, PO Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales 2751.